Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, unfortunately, we're living in a society of hate. Hate, hate, hate. And this is being permeated throughout our whole society. Um, If you're a Democrat, Republicans hate you. If you're Republicans, Democrats hate you. Um, How many of you are white? Don't raise your hand. But uh, the blacks hate you. If you're black, the whites are supposed to hate you. The Mexicans are in there somewhere too. We're just called to hate everybody. Um, Women are supposed to hate men. You men, you're chauvinistic. You shouldn't be a man. I don't know what's going on. But they hate you. Or they're supposed to anyways. Uh, and this is the environment that, that is there. So who has the Holy Spirit? Who has agape love? We do as believers. And so we need together. Church is essential. Church is essential. Very, very essential. We need one another. And so as I'm going to do like I did last week. Uh, I just put together a bunch of scriptures. And uh, if you're new or visiting, we're just going to read through some scriptures. Then we'll get into our Bible study. So this is just for you to, you know, the scriptures comfort. They exhort. They, they rebuke us. They challenge us. And it's just good to listen to the scriptures. So I encourage you, you're not going to be able to follow along. I picked totally different verses from last week. You can do this. We'll do this maybe, I don't know how long. But, you know, you could do this every week. You're not going to come across the same verses. Thousands, thousands of verses. And so as you do this, just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And so um, Jesus said, you know, if you, if you hate somebody in your heart, the words of Jesus, if you hate somebody, you've already committed murder. You see, religion deals with exterior. And when Jesus came, he brought it to the interior. To the interior. Because as you're going to see this morning, we'll get into the study, um, Jews were, were brought up to hate Gentiles. And so if you don't have Jewish blood in you, then you're, you're not a Jew. You're what is called a Gentile. No matter what race you think you are, you're a Gentile. And the Jews were taught, and even to this day, religious Jews hate Gentiles. You're not going to find that in the Word of God. Matter of fact, when you read the Old Testament, you look up the word stranger. Stranger is not a Jew. It's anyone but a Jew. And the Jews were supposed to love them and point them to God. So they pick and choose what they want to believe in, like many Christians do at times. And so, just relax. Let the Word soften your heart. Maybe right now, due to everything that's been on the news the last week, or last month, or last year, maybe you just got a lot of bitterness in your heart or anger in your heart, or hatred towards a group of people, or a person. As a believer, you need to take that to the throne of God, ask for forgiveness, and allow the Holy Spirit to wash your mind and your soul. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin against him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. 
but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your good. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now therefore return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, and let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment given than thee, greater than these. So the scribe said to Jesus, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. 
To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father commandment, Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not agape love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not agape love, it profits me nothing. You notice I said agape. Agape is for God so loved the world. Agape, not phileo, brotherly love, not eros, erotic love, not storge, uh, family love. Agape love is unconditional, committed, selfless love. That's agape love, and this is what this love is right here in these verses. You all know this. You've been to a wedding once or twice. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. 
Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is agape love. Father, we thank you and praise you for your sons, for your for your sons, for the Holy Spirit, for that agape love, committed, selfless, unconditional love. Father, you love us no matter what we do, no matter where we go. That is so hard for us to comprehend because we know phileo love. We'll love someone until they don't love us and then we turn against them. But Father, you never turn against us. It's amazing. Your love is always consistent. Your love is always constant. We're the problem, not you. We're the ones that turn away from your love. So Father, soften our hearts, even this morning, in a world that is promoting hate, racial hate, sexist hate, all types of hate, political hate, Father, we need more of your Holy Spirit for we will not be able to overcome these things in and of ourselves. It's impossible. But all things are possible with you. And so, Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. That's our prayer right now. We don't necessarily need another Bible study. (laughs) We need to implement what we already know. And we can only do that through the Holy Spirit. So, Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help us to look past the exterior and to see a heart that needs Jesus. See someone who needs a hug. See someone who needs a word of encouragement, an exhortation, maybe a brother or sister who needs a rebuke in love, grace and mercy. We need you, Father. We need more of your Holy Spirit more than ever. And Lord, according to your word, if anyone asks, if anyone seeks, if anyone knocks for more of your Holy Spirit, you will give him to us. It's a guaranteed promise. So thank you, Father. Lord, we ask your blessing upon our time as we get into Acts. Help us to learn principles that you will be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 28, if you're new or visiting, we encourage you to have a Bible. 
If you need a Bible, you can actually take one with you. We, we, that's not a problem here. We'd love you to have one. Uh, if you're going to sell it for drugs, then that's called stealing. Leave it here. But if you truly want one, it's yours. Feel free to take it. Be blessed. Well, a year and a half later, we're wrapping up the book of Acts. If you're new or visiting, yes, we go through a book verse by verse. Um, there's so many topics which is within every verse. Uh, I could never do topical messages because you'd get the same one every week. So it's way easier for me to do verse by verse, and that's what we typically do at Calvary here. And so it's been a blessing seeing how the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of the founding disciples. You know, we've learned a lot. And hopefully, we've been challenged to implement some things into our lives. If you're coming to church for just another Bible study, for just more head knowledge, you're missing it. You're missing it. It's not about head knowledge. It's about heart transformation. If our hearts, if my heart is not being changed by the Holy Spirit, that means I've got a problem. I've become desensitized to the Holy Spirit. My heart's heart. It's growing cold. Here at Calvary, we don't believe you can lose your salvation, but you can stunt your growth. I can stunt my growth. We have that responsibility. So as we're going to see once again this morning, no one, no one has arrived at their finished state of maturity. These are for the saints that are in their 60s, 70s, or 80s. No one has arrived at their finished state of maturity until they literally reach their finished state. When you take your last breath, your flesh has died. Until then, your flesh has not died, and you need to continually surrender to the Holy Spirit. So let's wrap it up, and then we'll get into 1 Corinthians next week. And so I encourage you to read the whole letter this week. All 16 chapters. Read the whole book to help you understand that the first century church hasn't changed much over the last 2,000 years. And that's why I'd like to do 1 Corinthians. Still sinners saved by grace. So this morning, to get a context of our text, because some of you are probably wondering, wow, we didn't do the last three verses. He's surely not going to do a study out of that. Yes, we are. Let's start in verse 17, especially if you're new or visiting. You want to get the context of our text. Very, very important. So what what does that mean? If you're new to the Lord, that means you read prior to the verses, after the verses, because it's so easy to take a verse out of context. So you always want to read before and after, and you also want to read from Genesis to Revelation, because the Bible does not contradict itself. Very, very important. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So we know Paul is now in Rome. He's under house arrest. Who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And what was the hope of Israel? The coming Messiah, the coming Savior. Because we all are sinners. Eight billion people, we're approaching eight billion people. Every single person is a sinner. Every single person. That means every single person needs a savior. 
If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need the good news. Jesus died for you. He loves you. God loves you unconditionally, just the way you are. I heard this in 1978, and I received Jesus as my Savior. If I would have died before then, I would have gone to hell, because that's what the Bible teaches. I knew there was a God. I knew I was living like the devil. I didn't care until I realized that there was a hell, and I was going there because I was a sinner. So don't play with God this morning. There is a heaven. There is a hell. You need to know Jesus can save you if you put your trust in him. Uh, Let's see, where do we leave off? Verse 21. Then they said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reporters spoken any evil of you, Paul. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, and we learned last week that that sect is called Christianity, not the name of a church. There's only one church, Big C, that's called Christianity. Now we have different churches with different names for various reasons. It's a different study, but there is only one church. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of America. The kingdom of God. Don't fight against God. Don't elevate the Constitution above the word of God. So when they appointed him a day, many came to him in his lodging, to whom he explained, solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from the Old Testament, from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So you see, it hasn't changed. If you're here this morning as an unbeliever, you're in the midst of hundreds of believers. Most of us had admitted at one point in our lives we were sinners in need of a Savior. We received Jesus as our Savior. So we're not unlike you, but yet we are unlike you. We now know when we take our last breath on this side of heaven, we're going to take our first breath in heaven at 186,000 miles per second, the speed of light. Don't grieve over me. When this last breath comes out of these lungs, I'm taking my first breath in heaven. Rejoice. Have a party. Celebrate. No more 110 degree days. Praise God. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Notice the self-will. God is not going to kick down the door and make you receive Jesus as your Savior. Revelation says, behold, I stand at the door and he's knocking on the door of your heart, your soul, your being. He's not going to kick it down. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. He was preaching to the Jews. As his normal custom was, wherever he went, he would always go to the Jews. 
Some Jews would accept it. Other Jews would reject it. He would then turn to the Gentiles. And that's why we have the church today, which is not all Gentiles. The church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. But the early church, due to hate, the early church was made up of only Jews. The Jews were raised to hate the Gentiles. And they needed to debug the program. Are you hearing that? Because it's still happening in our society today. Trying to program people, oh, you're a Democrat? You hate the Republicans. Oh, you're a Republican? You hate the Democrats. Oh, you're black? You hate the whites. Oh, you're white? You hate the blacks and the Mexicans and anybody else that's not white. Is that scriptural? Then why do people do it? Because they don't know the scriptures. And because they're not born again. It's just our flesh. That's just the way we're born to hate. Go work in the nursery. You'll figure it out. Don't mess with my toys. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. So this is under house arrest. This is not, well, I'll get to it in the study. And received all who came to him. Notice that. Preaching the kingdom of Judah? Kingdom of Jerusalem? The kingdom of the Jews? Kingdom of America? Kingdom of God. And teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that. Teaching the things which concern what? Our Savior. Follow Jesus. And if we can bless one another, praise God. But don't focus so much on any one of us that, that when somebody falls, you leave the church. Or, oh, there's Christianity for you. Another hypocrite. Because you're a hypocrite. You're, you're in a good place. Believe me. Let me talk to you for a few minutes. I'll prove you're a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. We're hopefully being less hypocritical as we grow in our faith hopefully and teaching the things which concern the lord jesus with all confidence no one forbidding him so going back to verse 29 what were they most likely debating well the simple fact that god would reach out to the gentiles you see the early church had to work through that mentality so the jews will need to work through it now some 30 years later and that is a sad commentary when you stop to think of all the training that Paul had under the great Rabbi Gamaliel. He is still one of the greatest rabbis spoken of in Israel to this day. The position that he once held as a Pharisee in Jerusalem, Paul hated the Gentiles. He was born and raised to hate the Gentiles. The missionary journeys that he had been on logged thousands of miles and ministering to so many people, both Jew and and Gentile. You see, instead of tapping into this man who has basically seen and heard it all, this is today, guys. Nothing has changed. They went off and debated amongst themselves. Most likely, how could God do that? Or why would God do that? And sometimes people look at you and say, say the same thing. Well, why would God love you? Why would God save you? Why would he do that? 
And hopefully you can give them a biblical answer. Because it still happens today. People will go off and debate about Christianity without asking someone who has been there to explain Christianity to them. They spend hours debating about a relationship that they don't even have a clue about and judging a God that they have never met. But notice, God still reaches out to them each and every day. And as we will see in the book of 1 Corinthians. You see, as the scriptures teach, God is a merciful God and he takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. We might take delight in it, but God doesn't. God takes no delight in someone refusing his love. Well, let's look at verses 30 and 31. Paul was a privileged prisoner of Rome, having his own quarters and the freedom to have people come and go as they pleased. He was still a prisoner with a guard regularly present who would be constantly hearing, think about this, in your workplace. And again, we're not called to evangelize. We're called to work in our workplace. I worked at Motorola for 12 and a half years. At my lunch break or on my break times or after or before work, I would evangelize, but not during. That's not what work is for. You be the best Christian example in the, in the workforce. Whether they pick on you or not, you be the best Christian example and work, work, work. But these guards would be hearing the wonderful truths that Paul shared about God. Think about that. Think about that. His one and only son, Jesus, and about the working of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Philippians. Let's look at the book of Philippians. And again, if you're newer visiting, the team does a great job of making slides. And so there's going to be a slide on there right there. It is the little white cross. will show you roughly where in your Bible it is. Two books before, two books after. So if you just start flipping the pages, you're going to zero in on it. And I greatly encourage you to get used to a paper Bible so that when they shut your phone off, you'll still have a Bible and you'll know where it is. You won't be wondering, where is Philippians? Is that the Old Testament? Philippians 1. Now again, thinking about a Roman guard. Every six hours being changed out. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul, you're crazy. Shipwreck? Everything you've been through? The furtherance of the gospel? What's the matter with you? Well, read what he says. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. Could going to prison benefit anyone? Could you and me going to prison benefit somebody? I believe by the end of this year, the word of God, and if you're reading the news, I don't see how you cannot see this, the word of God is going to be considered hate speech. It already is in many countries. It already is by the UN, and it's coming to America. If you teach the Bible that marriage is between one genetic male and one genetic female, that is hate speech. No, it's love. It's called science. Check your DNA. You are what God designed you to be. That's science. Don't tell me it's the Bible. That's science. Science finally caught up with what God said. In the beginning, created one male and one female. Verse 13. Uh, we already read that. No, let's read it again. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. 
Guys, whatever we go through, do your coworkers know that you're a Christian? Or do they see you as a grumbler, a complainer, a whiner, an Eeyore? No matter what happens, how does people see you? You have to ask yourself that personally. Because you are the only gospel that they're most likely seeing in that workplace. You are a living epistle. They're reading you. Now we make mistakes, so don't get on any extreme. We make mistakes. We have to apologize. We have to admit, yeah, geez, I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. That was not right. I'm sorry. I'm growing in my Christian faith. Nothing wrong with saying that. And most of the brethren in the Lord, so now he goes from the unbeliever now to the believer, and most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains and much more bold to speak the word without fear. Is there fear in the church in America today? Are people not going to church out of fear of a virus? Science. Do your homework. 16 people, more people are going to die in Arizona today. 16 more than died in 2016, 17, 18, and 19. 16 more people are going to die today in Arizona. Is that an epidemic? Not 16,000. 16. How many people live in Arizona, thanks to you Californians? (laughs) Eight million people now live in Arizona. And we're walking around, not me, People are walking around in fear, shutting down the whole economy because 16 more people are going to die. Is that science? That's fear and control. That's fear and control. That's driving our economy down so that there'll be the one world government, the one world economy, and the one world religion found in Revelation 13. Conditioning is going on. Conditioning is going on. Conditioning is going on. You are being conditioned. You young people are being conditioned. Obey the state. They know what they're talking about. Yeah, right. Chapter 4, look at Philippians 4.22. This is just amazing, guys. You never know how your testimony is going to impact people. Because look what Paul says in Philippians 4.22. All the saints greet you. All the saints, the believers. If you're a believer, you're a saint. Put saint before your name. Let's do that right now. Everybody gets uncomfortable when I do this. Got to do it every now and then. So you all know your name, right? Anybody not know their name? Okay, you know your name. If you're a believer, on the count of three, we're going to go Saint Jim. That's my name. You're going to use your name, obviously, Okay. You're going to use your name. Got to say an example. Of what did you want us to do? No. So your name. Everybody got it? Your name on the count of three. Saint and then whatever your name is. And don't say, Saint Jim. <laughs> You're a saint. Let the person next to you know it. They might not believe it, but let them know it anyways. <laughs> okay? You ready? Got it? Your name. You got your name, right? Count of three. Saint. Then your name. Ready? One, two, three. Saint Jim. Amen. Amen. Isn't that hard to believe? Isn't that hard to believe? You're a saint. Whether you like it or not, I got to tell you this because I got to tell the junior high, this is how God sees you in heaven. This is how God sees you. There's not one sin. 
There is not one stinking sin in the books of heaven. That's why God sees you as a saint. Now, we know who we are. And so we beat ourselves up. That's why you got to know the word of God. You're never going to be sinless. But hopefully you're sinning less. But unfortunately, you will never be sinless. Let's keep moving on. You see, Paul was arrested in 67... Whoop. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Missed a page there. You see, God reached far into the upper families of the Roman government. Can you imagine this? To save as many as possible through the imprisonment of Paul. What does that say? God's ways are not our ways. God has you where you are today. I don't want to be there. God has you where you are today. If you leave tomorrow, fine. But today, tomorrow morning, God is sending you there because somebody needs Jesus. They need to see how Jesus would have lived, how Jesus would have talked, how Jesus would have walked. They need to see Jesus, okay? So don't grumble and complain. Don't look like a Christian who's been sucking on lemons all morning. When you go there, go with a good countenance. You see, it was during this imprisonment that other brethren came to him for various reasons. Philippians 1.1 says this, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. 2.19 says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. See, this shows us that Timothy joined him in Rome. John Mark, Justice, Epaphras, as well as Demas were present to aid Paul in whatever needed to be done. Onesimus, who was a runaway slave of Philemon's, received Jesus as his Lord and Savior through Paul while in Rome. Paul sent Epaphroditus back to encourage them over the gift that they had given to Paul. Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2 again. Uh, 25, verse 25. Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. How would you like that name? My brethren, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all. Notice the, the love, the compassion. And was distressed because he had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. You see, Paul didn't save him. As far as physical healing, God healed him. No one person has the gift of healing. Another study, but just so you know. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. And Philippians 4.18, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You see, the bottom line, we see that Paul made the most of his time while in prison. Make the most of your time where you are planted. It was during these two years of his life that Paul was inspired, notice this, to write Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. He didn't waste time playing bingo. He was writing the word of God. 
A beloved brother named Tychicus delivered Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon to their intended destinations. Epaphroditus delivered Philippians to the church at Philippi. It appears at the end of these two years, Paul was released and that he possibly went to Spain as he had a desire to go to Spain, Romans 15, 24. He will once again visit some of the churches that he had established in the faith. When he wrote to Titus, he mentioned that he had left him on the island of Crete. And when he wanted to meet again in Nicopolis, which was probably located in northwestern Greece, Paul left Trophimus sick at Miletus before going once again to Ephesus, where he left Timothy there to instruct the believers in the truth of the word. 1 Timothy 1.3. After he left Timothy, Paul went on the area of Macedonia, which is where Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi were located. This man put some serious miles on his sandals. It was during this unrecorded fourth missionary journey from 63 to 67 AD, the original 60s, that Paul wrote 1 Timothy and Titus. He was rearrested in 67 AD and taken back to Rome. This time, though, he was treated like the rest of the criminals and placed in an ordinary prison, and it appears that at first no one stood by him. I'm going to read these scriptures quickly for time's sake. 2 Timothy 4, 16, 17. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Literally, delivered. It was also during this time that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write his final letter, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 4 says this, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. That's John Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Antichicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. So we see that eventually Luke, Timothy, and John Mark did come to his aid. And notice that Paul asked Timothy to bring his cloak and the books that he had left at Troas and especially the parchments. Even in his final earthly moments, notice this, Paul had a desire to read the word. If you older saints, please take note of that. Tradition tells us that it was during this time that Paul stood before Nero and was sentenced to death. He was beheaded in Rome in late 67 or early 68 A.D. So Paul continued to preach repentance towards God and to teach those who came to him about the wonderful Savior Jesus. So what a wonderful way to end the book of Acts. But as we said in the beginning of this book, it's really a book about the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the lives of God's kids. You see, God is still looking for those who desire to be used by him. Whether it's in the Sunday school, ushering, greeting, uh, cleaning, whatever it might be, God is looking for his kids. And he will use those people in ways that are far beyond their expectations. It might not be glamorous. It might be behind the scenes. But remember, you're storing up treasure in heaven. He will bless those saints with far greater and eternal treasures than anything that this earth could offer. So as we wrap up this book, the question needs to be answered and can only be answered by each individual believer here this morning. Here's the question. Do I really desire to be a vessel for God's work? 
And I know I ask this on a regular basis, but you have to really evaluate that. Why? If you answer yes, then chapter 29 is going to be written and it's going to be called this. Acts of the Holy Spirit in the life of and insert your name. We're not adding to the scriptures, so don't even go there. But the Holy Spirit wants to do work in your life. And the title is Acts of the Apostles. It's really Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And when we get to heaven, we're not going to brag about what we did. As you mature in your faith, you're going to realize, I didn't do it. Your Holy Spirit stirred me to do it, and then your Holy Spirit gave me strength to do it, and then your Holy Spirit brought the fruit of it. I was just happened to be that vessel. You really don't get any credit. Yet God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He still gives us credit for doing everything. That's an incredible God. But he does need willing vessels. And so that's actually what I wrote in my Bible. You can't see it. But anyways, I wrote Acts 29, Jim's life in Christ in my Bible. You might want to write that in your Bible. Put your name and then life in Christ. Acts 29, life in Christ. Again, God is still using the Holy Spirit to perform his will. And what is his ultimate will, guys? As the music team comes up, what is his ultimate will? Right there. To see sinners get saved and then discipled. He lives in eternity. He knows what eternity is. We don't. We don't even have a clue. He does. His goal for you and me as ambassadors for Christ is to go out and help people get saved. By doing what? By being that example of Jesus. Isn't that why Jesus came to his disciples? They didn't understand who God was. Jesus came, and when it was all said and done, they go, now we know who God is. Now we know what God thinks and does and believes. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, they did that. And through the Holy Spirit, we can do that as well. Father, we thank you and praise you that you don't put pressure on us like religion does to try to be something that we're not. But you actually fill us with your Holy Spirit. And as we surrender our lives, you give us more of the Holy Spirit. And as we, as we go out and minister, your Holy Spirit ministers through us. We just need to be available. So Lord, help us to be available for the flock, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our family members, for whoever might cross our path this week. Help us to be available for your glory. And we'll look forward to the praise when we get to heaven. Man's praise always falls short. But to hear you say, welcome home. Welcome home. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You good and faithful servant. How we long to hear those words. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray for you. See what God does. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.